Are you getting ready to take your National Dental Hygiene Board exam? If so, this would be a great episode for you to listen to. In this episode, I'll go over the constructs of the exam, what's on the exam, what you can expect when you go to the exam site, and ways that you can best prepare yourself for the exam so that on exam day, when you get there, you are the best version of yourself to take the exam and you are as ready as you can be. Now, please know that you have been studying all of this stuff in little incremental bits your entire journey. Now it'll be time for you to put all the pieces together and really shine to pass that board exam to say, okay, I have met all of the requirements and standards to be a registered dental hygienist. So take a listen. I hope this episode is helpful for you. You know that you can do this. You just have to believe in yourself and be as prepared as you can be, be and be as prepared as you can be. Remember, practice and preparation helps. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome. So glad to have you. In this episode, we are going to be talking about your national board exam. Now, the purpose of the national board exam is for dental boards to determine that you are qualified to obtain a license to practice as a dental hygienist. And these exams assess the ability for you to understand really important information from the biomedical, the clinical aspect of dental hygiene, as well as the dental sciences, and also measure the ability for you to apply the information in a problem-solving way. Dental boards use this information provided by the exams to help protect public health. The NBDHE, the National Board Dental Hygiene Exam, is composed of 350 multiple choice items covering functions that a dental hygienist is expected to be able to perform. And it's important to know that only functions that can be delegated to a dental hygienist in a majority of states are included in this exam. The exam contains a discipline-based component and a case-based component with test specifications as follows. So the discipline-based component has 200 questions. The discipline-based component includes items addressing three major areas, scientific basis for dental hygiene practice, provision of clinical dental hygiene services, and community health research principles. So the distribution of items in this component of the exam, there are 61 questions on scientific basis for dental hygiene practice. And this includes all your anatomic sciences like anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, microbiology, pathology, and pharmacology. The provision of clinical dental hygiene services has 115 questions, and this includes things from the assessment piece of patient characteristics, anything from the medical history, dental history, all the way to the oral evaluation. 
It includes obtaining and interpreting radiographs, starting with the principles of radiophysics, all the way down to recognizing normalities and abnormalities on radiographs. It includes the planning and managing of dental hygiene care, all things from infection control to patient management to performing periodontal procedures to using preventive agents to providing supportive treatment services and ethics as far as your professional responsibility are all included in this second section. The third aspect of part one of the exam is the community health and research principles. And this has 24 questions. And those questions reach on topics of promoting health and preventing disease within groups, participating in community programs, analyzing scientific literature, and understanding statistical data. That is part one of the exam. Part two of the exam is all case-based items, and there are 150 questions on this part of the exam. The case-based component includes 150 questions involving 12 to 15 dental hygiene patient cases. And these cases present information dealing with adult and child patients by means of patient histories, dental charts, radiographs, and clinical photographs. Each examination includes at least one case regarding a patient of the following types, a geriatric, adult periodontal, pediatric, special needs, and medically compromised. A medically compromised patient is one whose health status may require modification of standard treatment or special considerations. Now keep in mind that case-based items addressing knowledge and skills are required in the following areas. Assessing, assessing the patient's characteristics, obtaining and interpreting radiographs, planning and managing dental hygiene care, performing periodontal procedures, using preventive agents, providing supportive treatment services, and professional responsibility. This is the entire examination content. It is important to understand the exam makeup, the layout, and how you will be tested in order for you to be the most prepared that you can be on exam day. Now consider all that you have learned about yourself. What has worked for you in dental hygiene school that made you successful on your exams in the program? You have probably taken the VARC assessment during your time as a student or some other kind of assessment to determine how you learn best and discover what type of learner you are. To prepare yourself for this type of exam, you will want to utilize all of your learning strategies that have worked for you as a student and build on that to carve out some very targeted and intentionally focused time to use those strategies. It takes quite a while to develop individualized and effective study strategies as a student. One of the best ways to start is to find out what works, and also just as important is to find out what doesn't work for you when you're learning or reviewing material. By using the specific types of strategies that you have learned that work for you, 
it will help you to avoid that feeling of being overwhelmed or that you are wasting precious study time when things don't work out. So one of the first recommendations I would suggest is to get organized. Take a look at the exam itself to have a good understanding of how you will be tested and what you'll be tested on, how you will be measured. And there are lots of resources available that provide you with the examination content and the test breakdown specifically. Now, currently, the NBDHE is a comprehensive exam, and as I said, it has multiple choice items covering all the functions of a dental hygienist. So when you're going through your strategy on how you learn best, it can get really overwhelming to think about all the content that you've learned while you've been a student enrolled in a dental hygiene program. Make a plan on what you're able to set aside for time in order to study. Set some really specific goals for each of your focused study times. Now, knowing how and when you will spend your time will go a long way at helping you use that time very efficiently. I would create a study area in your home that works and aligns with your particular study habits. If you're a person who gets easily distracted, find a quiet place to study. This is not an exam that you can cram for, so be sure you allow enough carved out time to study. Turn off your phone while you're doing really focused study time. There's research that shows that even the smallest distraction can bring you out of focus and can take up to 20 minutes for you to get back in the zone with your thoughts and content studying. Typically, your last semester of dental hygiene school has a lighter content load and schedule obligation compared to some of the other semesters. So even though it might not feel this way when you're trying to juggle your clinical requirements, it does allow you a little more time in your schedule to make a plan for studying. Carve out some time to do very focused time on your content but also develop a study support group so that you can meet with some of your friends to study as well. Some learners benefit a great deal by explaining information to others, and other learners retain information by hearing it explained in different ways. So study sessions with friends can be really beneficial. One warning, uh, when you make a commitment, you wanna stay on track and stick with a plan. Study now, chat later. So be very organized with your study groups. You can have a fun visit or chat after you finish your study sessions. And maybe some of the people in your study group were really good at certain subjects and you were strong in another subject. So use that information to help each other in the group. One of the best strategies you can practice with your study support group is active listening. Now, active listening is defined as the practice of preparing to listen, observing what verbal and nonverbal messages are being sent, and then providing appropriate feedback for the sake of showing attentiveness to the message being presented. There's a mutual level of understanding between the speaker and the listener when an active listening strategy is used. And this works really well when you're really trying to learn something that maybe you don't understand very well. Practicing active listening with your study group is very beneficial. I would encourage you to practice having a growth mindset as well. Now, Dr. Carl Devec 
the research on this has discovered that students who believe if they put in the extra time and effort into learning something, they can actually become smarter and achieve more and have more understanding about a specific subject. This is all based on the idea of a growth mindset. There's clear evidence which links mindset and achievement. So be sure not to overlook this suggestion. If you have a fixed mindset and you talk yourself in or out of things, try to see if you can strategize to have more of a growth mindset as you tackle some of these study sessions. This might really help you in growing your understanding about subject matter. The idea is that if you really believe that your brain can grow, you behave differently. And this motivation moves you in the right direction to take on the challenge of your national boards. I would strongly encourage you to visit the NBDHE website and take a look at the candidate guide. This is put out by the Joint Commission on National Dental Examinations, and your candidate guide will provide you with every bit of information that you will need to get yourself started in the right direction of making a plan and getting organized. It will provide you with all the details of the exam, and there's even practice questions on that website and in that guide that will help you discover maybe some of the subject matter that you need to work on, or maybe you don't understand as well as you need to. Another really great thing that you'll find when you take a look at the candidate manual is that it lets you know the style and types of questions and gives you examples of each type of question that will be on the exam. So there are testlet questions, and a testlet consists of a case study or a problem with a set of associated test questions. And the testlet format is used for items typically appearing in community health, research principles, and the case-based section of the NVDHE. A sample NVDHE testlet uh, is seen right in that candidate manual, which is really great. And then the other types of questions that you'll see on the exams are completion items where it requires the correct completion of a concept or idea. And then paired true-false questions, multiple choice questions, um, items that would communicate a problem or a set of circumstances. And it gives you sample question styles for each one of these on the exam. And you've seen all these types of questions from your faculty on some of your exams to help you get used to answering these style questions throughout the program. The other thing that's really great is on the website, they have uh, a test day checklist for you. So they give you everything you need to know. And if you read and learn about what you need to know ahead of time, it takes some of that anxiety and stress away. So for example, on the day of your test, you're going to bring two original, current, not expired forms of identification to your testing center. And they will list what are acceptable forms of identification, typically a government issued ID with your photograph and signature, for example, a driver's license or a passport, and then something else with your signature, either a credit card or social security card. And then the name on your application has to match your IDs exactly. And you wanna make sure this is exact. Um, you are gonna leave all your non-essential items at home. 
then when you walk into the testing center, they're going to give you like a small locker and they'll have you store all of your personal items in that locker. Any uh, food, drink, cell phones, your watch, if it's a smart watch, you'll have to go in there. And you can't access those items during the test or during any of your breaks. You're going to make sure that there's nothing in your pockets and they're going to be emptied before you start your exam. And you are going to follow any instructions that the test administrator provides you. And they typically will give you, they have noise canceling headphones and they will give you some, a blank piece of paper and some kind of writing utensil to use on the premises. Now keep in mind that halfway through the first half and halfway through the second half, there's an optional 15 minute break during the exam. I would take advantage of that break and just get up and stretch, walk around, go to the restroom if you can, just to kind of recenter yourself. I know we want to get the exam done as soon as possible, but there's a lot of benefit in circulating and resetting yourself by just taking five minutes to walk around or use the restroom. So I would advise that you do that. The results of your national board exam is typically available about three to four weeks after your exam date, and they can be viewed online by logging into your account summary page. So let's just think about what you're going to do with your time. Unfortunately, as soon as you take the exam, the stress doesn't go away. And I do believe that sometimes we feel even more stressed after the exam and we begin to get fearful and doubtful. Uh, some of the questions that tend to stand out to us are probably pilot questions or questions that will end up being thrown out. But no matter what happens, those three to four weeks seem to be very stressful. And it might be a good idea to make a pact with your study group not to have lengthy discussions about some of those questions that were on the test, as hard as that is, because I think it will only make your stress level go up. That time when you're waiting for your exam results can be really, really difficult. So try to just move on knowing that you've done your best, you've done everything you can do to prepare and plan for it, and the results will come when the results come. Try to put it in the back of your mind and kind of put yourself, set yourself up and focus on something else as hard as that is. Just focus on the next step as if when your results come in, it's going to be just what you expected it to be, a passing grade. Thanks so much for listening. Join me next time when we discuss xerostomia and review the information that you as a clinician need to know about dry mouth. We'll talk about the role that saliva has on the dentition, how to spot xerostomia, and how to treat patients who suffer from xerostomia. You won't want to miss it. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.